0: Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, Episode 6. Today, we're going to be talking about the PGL Major, Krakow, 2017. We're also going to be touching, touching very lightly, on uh, the iBuyPower ban which has been lifted. We're going to touch even lighter on the DreamHack Open Atlanta, 2017. And we're going to end with a toxic play of the week, which may very well become a regular segment Uh, Just a bit of fun naming and shaming. Are we rushing in or are we going sneaky peeky like? All right, so just before we get into the major talk, uh, a little bit of housekeeping. This podcast is now available on Stitcher. So, if you've been listening to it on iTunes or SoundCloud, uh, and you have an Android phone, I think Stitch is available on Android. Share it, tweet it, uh, get it out there. I haven't advertised it. I uh, tried to post a couple of things onto Reddit, but I think it they basically sort of got sucked down the feed pretty quickly. Also, I don't really have a name in the scene. This is not my job. I don't work in esports, uh, and I'm also never going to take gambling money to promote this podcast. So, if you like the episodes, Get behind them and uh, share them with your friends. Speaking of posting things on Reddit, I did try to link my latest podcast, but it was banned because in the episode I talked about the cheating videos from this guy Concept regarding pros who are cheating and specifically my podcast was banned or at least the post was banned regarding rule six on the csgo reddit site or sub subreddit which states that i can't report scams or scam methods or post gameplay or profiles of alleged cheaters discuss cheats in technical detail link to cheat related websites or name them publicly or report cheats so uh i get why this rule is there um well i, I think i i get it If it's been proven over the last few years that Valve has a foolproof anti-cheat system, then any discussion of cheats, especially uh, when it comes to the pro scene, must basically come down to ignorance and probably would be pretty tiring to the people who've been on those Reddit boards since their inception. Um, But from my perspective, as someone who's played CSGO for a very long time, since 1, basically, but never really participated online that much, and... um, actually doesn't really have an opinion on this whole pro cheating thing. Where can I discuss this stuff? Uh, HLTV, I guess. Um, but Reddit's like, Reddit's the place, right? And uh, so it's a bit disappointing that I that I got my podcast taken down for that. Um, especially as, as I think I made the point of giving pros the benefit of the doubt, right? It's obviously not a normal thing or a normal characteristic to have balls big enough to swindle millions of people. Uh, which is, I guess, what they'd be doing, were they cheating? And look, I'd be disappointed if they turned out to be cheating. So I guess there's another way I could uh, talk about cheating, and that's on the comments section of the concepts videos on YouTube. But personally, I've never commented on YouTube videos, and I'm not about to do so. It's kind of like, I don't know, I'd rather step in shit, to be honest. Enough about cheating. This will probably get my podcast banned again from Reddit. Although, I'm really just talking about Reddit here, I'm not talking about cheating at all. Anyway, anyway, let's move on to the major. So if you're listening to this podcast, I assume at some level you're interested in Counter-Strike, which means that you probably watched the major, you've listened to uh, the breakdowns, you've probably listened to Thorin's breakdowns, um, and I encourage you to do so. Uh, if you're into it, I am approaching it maybe from a little bit of a different point of view to what's been out there thus far. And I'll get to that in a moment. But um, just to wrap it up, if you if you did not see the Major, for some reason, you're listening to this podcast and, and you, you're ignorant of the result of the Major, go and watch it now. What are you doing? But uh, Gambit won it in a final against Immortals. And the big story of this year was that, uh, of this event, was that these two were not expected to get to the finals at all. The favorites really were SK, Astralis, and FaZe. FaZe got knocked out very quickly and then uh, Australis knocked SK out and then were in turn beaten by Gambit. So let's talk about what happened. Um, I did actually mention uh, why in my last episode, why I think FaZe lost and why I don't think they're going to improve anytime soon. All right, so Astralis versus SK. This for me was the highlight of the whole competition really um and specifically the map cache and specifically round 19. if you don't know what i'm talking about load up go tv or go back to youtube and google this asap drop what you're doing stop your car google this put it into youtube Stralis first sk pgl major crack 2017 go to round 19. And this, to me, is the most fascinating round of Counter-Strike I've seen in a long time. And let me just kind of set the scene as to why. So SK's been almost unbeatable for the last few months. They've been on this massive winning streak, taking tournaments left, right, and center. And a huge part of that has been the aggressive backbone of Fallen and his awping. Specifically around mid-area of a lot of maps, uh, CT, sides specifically as well but especially when you look at their previous matches on cash in the last few months his domination of mid with his AWP is sort of has been unbeatable but if you go to round 19 of this match you will see a combination of plays from device and his team around him to systematically make fallen obsolete in the game, to rub him out basically, to completely uh, emasculate him on the map. Um, and every time device peaks, it's after a smoke or a flashbang or a Molly from one of his team as if he knows exactly where fawn is going to be peaking, where his teammates are going to try and boost him, uh, where they're going to try and bolster his firepower. Uh, it's masterful. Here's the, here's, the, here's the thing, though. It's so obvious that Astralis has become a machine specifically built to destroy SK that it's almost like they became too focused on that. Um, the way this utility is meted out for this one guy... And so specifically in terms of his location, this is obviously a team that has studied SK demos over and over and over again. Which, look, it's not a bad idea going into this final, into into the major. SK is everybody knew it. SK was their number one rival. If they weren't going to win, SK was going to win, um, and and uh, they had a lot more to look at of SK's demos, and SK had had to watch of them. Um, you can see this as well in the match on Overpass, which was uh, Astralis versus SK, which is normally a map that SK dominates. I uh, was speaking about um, the CT orb of Fallen. When he pushes bathroom with that CT ORP, it's it's just been shutting everybody down. Um, and I think SK had a 15-3 win streak on it. Uh, don't quote me on that number, but it was something like that. Um, but once again, Fallen was completely neutralized by Astralis and by Device. And Device very rarely peaked Fallen... Clean, but when he did, it was when he knew he could get there just a tiny bit quicker, or he pre fired because he knew that Fallen would be in one of only a handful of spots. It's like the guy knew Fallen better than Fallen knew himself. Um, and because of this, now because this was in a semi, SK were taken out of the competition before the finals. What this did was like um a move that occurs in nfl i don't know nfl very well i'm australian but this also happens in rugby where a player's got the ball and they're running towards the the touchdown line or the try line if you're australian and one of the teammates sees an opposition member about to take his teammate out the guy with the ball and so he tackles the that opposition uh, member so his teammate can can run clear to the end of the line this is called shepherding and this was Astralis shepherding immortals basically into the comp into the finals by taking out SK because none of the teams in the finals really had a chance against SK Gambit probably didn't maybe they had a small chance but immortals definitely didn't um, and so, look, this meant that uh, this sort of one-sided approach to their preparation meant that, that the Stralis didn't really have enough of their own identity and uh, ideas to, um, to, to, to beat Gambit. Um, without the sort of the boogeymen of SK, they just didn't have the same co- cohesion that they, they usually have. They, they were off balance. Because um, it was a game, one of the matches was it was overpass, and they just whipped SK at that. But it was as if they didn't have a game plan beyond neutralizing Fallen, who, unfortunately for Astralis, is not a member of Gambit. And we have seen Astralis dominate on Overpass before. Glaive's sort of late round calls, which meant they were rotating and the T side quicker than the other side could keep up. And I'm thinking specifically of their matches against VP at the last major, uh, at the Clash for Cash. No one could sort of keep up with them. But it was as if they'd almost used up all their ideas just to beat SK. That a team like Gambit could come and beat them on that map specifically. This to me was the biggest uh, reason that Immortals and uh, Gambit ended up playing each other at the Grand Finals. It wasn't really that Astralis were... uh, That Gambit were that great. It was really that Astralis was sort of the machine that was built to take SK down, but unfortunately, because of the draw, it just came too early in the competition for them. Um, Now, let's talk a little bit about BIG, because BIG was a bit of an upset in the tournament as well, getting further than people expected, and that was nice to see a new competitor who personally I didn't know too much about. God B, the leader of them, had a bit of history, which I didn't know about either, so that was nice to sort of discover this stuff as the competition sort of moved on um and i talked a bit about the jump bug last episode which sort of fizzled out beyond uh the contra- controversy uh, as part of a gentleman's agreement which is made between the players you probably heard about this and read about it um although i did see that the jump bug was used by big a few more times after this gentleman's agreement i assume were they genuine about that agreement, it was probably just a muscle memory thing at that point. That was how they'd prepared. They'd prepared to exploit it. Um, And look, you know, if it means the difference between victory and defeat, their instincts may be telling them to do it uh, to a point where it overrides their sort of logical brain. Um, So the admins had said that uh, the jump bug would be allowed. And I I suspect that's possibly because to rule against it uh, at that point would have been untenable for the event, whether it be sort of prohibitive in terms of cost and replaying matches or logistically rescheduling things. I mean, it was a huge event that they put on and uh, it was an enormous stadium that they'd booked out. The amount of moving parts in a tournament of that scale has got to be huge. And the grey areas and the decision trees that ruling against the bug opened up would have been immense. In fact, probably the only clear-cut decision they could have made at that point without probably grinding the event to a halt would have been to allow it, I think. Um, I've heard a lot of flack given to the admins, but I cannot actually myself really see a way that they could have banned against it. And look, I understand why it's annoying to people. And I think the reason people really get annoyed is because Uh, it's obviously not an intentional gameplay mechanic, right? It's a fuck up on the Valve side and Big were taking advantage of that rather than bringing it to Valve's attention earlier. And what that does is say that... um, Big's basically saying our victory is more important than the community or the game, Uh, which is an idiotic short-term way to play, right? Without the community, without the game, there wouldn't be a tournament to have a victory at. Uh, I know it's hard for us to know what, if anything, Big did to communicate this bug to Valve, but... I guess I assume nothing, otherwise, it would have. I assume they would have brought it to the public's attention at the same time. So, for me, the real victory in this scenario came from the other players, like Fallen, Carrigan, Shocks, making the decision to place social pressure on each other to not do the bug with this gentleman's agreement. And now these guys see each other at every tournament. And the players have said before, it's like one big family. So, the threat of social fallout, I think, is a good one. And it's satisfying for an audience member, too, personally. Because civilization, after all, is the mutual acknowledgement and respecting of another's rights. And in a game that quite often has some fairly uncivilized stuff associated with it, which I will get to in the little toxicity case I talk about later, um, I think this is a great example to set for the scene and for the tone of the pro scene in general. I think this was a difficult decision that the admins had to make and the players, to their credit, stepped up and, and made their own as well. So, I don't, I'm not negative about it at all. Uh, I think it was well handled on both sides. Uh, so, let's talk a little bit about Virtus Pro, which is one of my favourite topics, as you might know by now. And before we get into the final teams, because uh, they were another joy, they really, really were a joy getting further than I expected, uh, I think, than most people expected. And especially hearing the crowd go crazy for them, it, it took me back to tournaments past. Um, but in the end, I think for them, Taz sort of seemed to be losing most of his aim jewels, and it was as if either Snacks wasn't able to communicate effectively enough, or or perhaps Bialy, to be honest, isn't isn't amenable at this point to communication, because he had his sort of typical on again off again uh, Alu style uh, game, which 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 veered from brilliance to utter, you know, crapness, utter silver. Silver play. And it seems to me that Virtus Pro are always getting caught out by other teams just completely unawares. Uh, it's just an impression. I haven't really done any re-watching of, of VODs looking for this uh, specifically. But it, it does strike me that they often die not from pure aim battles, but from being out-positioned or out-maneuvered. As if, As if VP have been so focused on executing a set play, they've stopped being aware of possible flanks. Uh, I don't know what that says about them or what that means. But I've noticed it. Yeah. I think Bialy needs to get some more sleep in general. Basically, every time they cut to him in any tournament ever, the guy's yawning. Mate, get to bed. Just do it. Take some melatonin if you can't. You know, I don't know if it's legal in Poland. It's not in Australia, but you can get it in the US. Ship some of that into your uh, Polish apartment. Take Take five milligrams before a match. Get your eight hours and uh, win a tournament for me because I'd love to see that. It was a big joy to see them performing in front of a crowd again. Let's go to the final, um, uh, the, the grand finals between Gambit and Immortals. And uh, I had a blast watching this. I really did. Came down to three maps. Immortals beat Gambit in the first map. Gambit came back in the second two. And look, Immortals always seemed to me like the small brother of SK. The players seem like younger, less composed, Without that sort of backbone leader of Fallen, um, and some of the references by Red Eye seem like Fallen is sort of their leader by proxy as well, as if he was giving them advice in between the games and stuff. But whether that's true or not, he's not in the game with them. So I think they're, they're, the IGL still and still seems like a nice guy. Like he's a really genuine guy in his interviews. Uh, he seems good-willed, but he does seem very young, like very young. Um, and I don't mean age-wise necessarily, just just a bit in, in awe of what of, of how far they were getting, you know, excited, but but a bit overwhelmed, I think. And uh, personally, I think Immortals didn't they did themselves no favors, getting so antagonistic in the booths in previous matches before this final, uh, specifically the one with Big. There's I, I, there's a lot of encouragement of that stuff from the desk, and it does make for good TV, basically. But these guys are unwittingly painting themselves as the heel. And, and they, were, they were the heels by the time of the final. The, the whole crowd was was barracking for Gambit. Even though they'd sort of calmed down a bit and perhaps had a chat with each other and said, oh, we need to calm down. Or maybe it was Fallen who said, hey, boys, maybe stop your taunting. Um, especially KNG came off as having very little grace under fire. He, he not only taunted his opponents with every victory... But he was even smashing his keyboard repeatedly after they lost the major. So as I said, this makes for good TV, but I hope that kid, I hope K&G, he's probably not a kid anymore, I hope the rest of them as well, are okay with being the villains from here on out. If you didn't, if you didn't understand what I meant by heel, it's, uh, I'm actually, I sort of picked up the term from wrestling. In uh, in a wrestling match, I don't mean a, a real wrestling match, I mean WWE or F or whatever the whatever the hell it is now. I haven't watched it in years. The two competitors decide before the match who's going to be the hero and who's going to be the heel. And it's kind of important for the audience enjoyment so that they can cheer for a hero and they can boo a heel. And I don't know if Immortals realized, but they were definitely the heels. Not that that they were big heels. No one was really, really desiring them to specifically lose but definitely everyone was on Gambit's side because the moment you taunt and uh, and 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 lord your victory over someone else they immediately become the underdog that's just how it is um, now Gambit came on my radar earlier in the year when they beat Immortals at Dreamhack Austin especially Hobbit and Mo a lot's been made about Adren but actually uh, Hobbit and Mo were the ones who seemed to swing their games for me in the past and, of course, Zeus as well had this sort of honesty and dignity about being kicked from Na'vi that made me really want him to have a comeback. So it was very nice to see them uh, in the grand final. And, of course, Dosha with his ridiculous level of, uh, what do you call it? What do you, what do you call it when someone's famous in a sort of um, like a jokey way, like a memey way? There's got to be a, a, a term for that in Urban Dictionary. Alt famous or something. His, his his look. His ridiculous levels of alt fame were very enjoyable. His uh, massive cheers every time the camera was on him, and his sort of coy dealings with the camera made this major almost feel a bit memey, which I'm I'm no uh, I'm no opponent of. I thought it was a lot of fun. In the end, uh, Immortals had the aggression and the desire, but I think Gambit really had the level-headedness, the reliable skill, and the rock-solid IGL, who obviously inspired them. There was a lot that was made about Dosha's grenade towards the pit in the B site of... On the A site of Inferno, but it immediately brought to mind uh, Get Right's uh, Molotov that he threw there versus Titan back in 2014. It was a great move. I think Gambit is going to be a very exciting team to watch now, almost in that Virtus Pro way where the personalities make even a losing game an entertaining an entertaining prospect. So it's nice that there's not just one team who sort of have that larger than life persona. It's a very it's it's, it's a good addition. Um, so in terms of the actual PGL Production, I, I know I'm doing a bit of a, a sort of re- review here, but uh, this is my two cents, and I answered no one, so I'm just going to keep on with it. Parler had a bit of extra content there. He's, uh, he's got a very awkward sort of really extra earnest delivery, doesn't he? Where he looks at his hands and, and, and really enunciates his words, and uh, he's a very likable character. Um, it's just uh, It's just funny. It's funny. There was a a bunch of segments called Player Skins where everybody was talking about their tattoos, which for me fell a bit flat because MBK was basically the only player who was comfortable on camera, Um, apart from uh, Semler, who showed us his shoulder tattoo. Um, And also, I think people talking about their own tattoos is almost like a vegetarian telling you why they don't eat meat Uh, or someone telling you about the dream they had the night before because no matter what the reason... It's almost very rarely interesting to anyone else. And in fact, one reason it might be boring is that they're rationalizing a decision that was made almost entirely on emotion. When someone has the word family written on their arm and they say, oh, it represents family, or even if it's a picture, let's just say it's a rainbow and they go, that that represents family. So what? So you found it necessary to continually remind yourself that you have a family by etching it onto your body okay look look, maybe there's a maybe there's a whole substrata of people who are really interested in ink and and how cool it is and the different designs you can get in which case I will concede that that was a worthwhile um, segment otherwise it was kind of yeah I don't know not the best there were some good ones there were some I really enjoyed especially the ones with Sir Scoots because I didn't know much about him and he's a likeable dude Uh, there was Thorin's Chronicles and I thought that was a great use of him specifically um, providing backstory to the teams in the major it was great it was just pure content dump which is what he's best at it was just him in a chair he didn't have to sort of deal awkwardly with any other human beings Um, uh, although i found it a bit hard to sort of enjoy his content now after seeing how grumpy he is on his twitter i've talked about this before but the continual jeering of fans which he signifies by use of sarcastic imaginary quotes followed by the hashtag fan logic, is just baffling. This sport, or esports, wouldn't exist without the fans. He wouldn't have a job without the fans. The more fans there are, the more money he gets paid. I just... I wonder if he doesn't feel secure in his job somehow. We, I feel like this this podcast will we'll get to the bottom of Thorin. That's going to be one of the... That's going to be one of the overarching 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 storylines of this podcast getting to the bottom of Thorin that and work and finding out what makes Bialy tick Thorin and Bialy as a duo all right so let's move on to the dream hack open Atlanta there's basically nothing to talk about uh, in terms of this and that's not because there's nothing to talk about it's because I completely missed the whole thing because I was so engrossed in the major, as I'm sure you were, uh, and I don't have anything really to add that you probably don't know. It was basically the teams that couldn't make the major, and the final had Envious versus Heroic. Envious have Scream and Happy, two players with a lot of pedigree, and uh, Heroic have been up and coming seemingly for a while. They also have a player whose name is, unfortunately, Nico. His name is N-I-K-O. Now, I get that you may even have had this before, the phase, Nico. But mate, surely it's time to change it, right? No one's going to think ill of you. No one's going to look down on you. No one's going to laugh at you for changing your name at this point. You basically share share it with one of the most famous Counter-Strike players now, and probably of all time at this point. It's like if I was a, an up-and-coming singer, and my name was Michael Jackson, or, or I was a, a female singer who wanted to become a pop star and my name was Madonna. And then maybe this comes down to your management, Nico, and uh, them not really doing their job. Because if I was a young, up-and-coming Madonna's manager, I would say, listen, young lady, change your name. I mean, even uh, Nikos, uh, Nikon, um, Nicky, Nickel, um, Nicknack. Nickelback, Nicolas Cage. I mean, if you were Nicolas Cage, no one's going to confuse you with Nicolas Cage, the actor. N- as far as we know, he doesn't play Counter Strike. Uh, Nicodemus, um, Nicolotopus. I mean, uh, I can go on. And uh, if you're listening to this, Nico, send me an email and I'll send you another 50 ideas. Um, I just think you uh, probably might need to uh, move on. That may actually, I don't know if that's actually your name. <clears throat> his name but if that is his name get a deed poll it's not too hard you know at least in in my country i'm not sure how hard it is where you are anyway it's not like you need a deed poll to change your counter-strike tag that's basically as much as i've got to say about the dream hack uh atlanta uh i'll watch i'll watch the dream hacks um but not if they're coinciding with the major i'm sorry So let's move on to the ban that's been lifted on iBuyPower, the iBuyPower players. And I'm going to come out and say, I don't really get why people care so much. Um, It could be because some of the players have streams and people like to watch their streams. Um, uh, I guess some of the guys are probably nice and have been nice people since then. I don't know. Uh, Just to recap slightly. I Buy Power, we a North American team, they fooled a bunch of people back in the day and threw a match to win about, like I don't know, $1,500 worth of skins or something, so not a huge amount of money. And the argument for their release, uh, their, the, the, the release of their ban by Valve goes something like, well, the scene was much smaller when they were playing, so match fixing didn't mean so much. Also, they've apologized for what they did, and it's been long enough. Well, firstly, how do you determine what is long enough? Uh, Perhaps a better question is, does banning them for any longer produce any sort of reasonable deterrence? Uh, I think it's quite well known that deterrence really isn't a great way to stop crime in general. Um, But Valve waiting this long to unban them was probably necessary for match fixing and the consequences to be taken seriously. I believe the new ruling is going to be a five-year ban for any evidence of match fixing, which... I guess, makes sense in in a non-random way in that if you're 19 and you match fix, you'll be unbanned by the time you're 24. And in some ways, your chances of being a pro is probably over, at least the way we consider players these days. Personally, <coughs> I'm not convinced that they should be unbanned at all. I've Look, I haven't met the guys. I haven't watched their streams beyond a few clips here and there. And you might say, well, well, don't we all do stupid things as a teenager and when we're young? And I would reply, sure. And you might say, well, were the stakes lower back then because the scene wasn't as big? And I would say, sure. But at some point, these are people who've demonstrated they're willing to abuse other people's trust in them um, when they think they can get away with it. In fact, the stakes not even being that big, uh, the stakes being smaller back then, is an argument against them in some ways. Because if you were to say that they wouldn't have done it, were the stakes bigger you're simply suggesting that their morality is for sale for the right price, i.e., if they'd been a million-dollar major back then, they wouldn't have sold their souls. Uh, they wouldn't have sold them for $1,500. Uh, so, look, <clears throat> I don't feel that charitable towards them. I think uh, people who match-fix can fuck off and die. Um, well, not die, it's a, a, a bit mean, but... Maybe just not be involved in the sport at all. It's interesting that they've sort of stayed so involved. It's been quite a few years. Uh, and, And I don't know what that says about their passion about CSGO or their lack of imagination to do other things. Perhaps it says something about both of those things. We'll see if they return to competitive playing. And, uh... I will be keeping an eye on them myself. Let's move on to the Toxic Play of the Week. Toxic Toxic Play play of of the Week. Now, uh, this is not going to be a weekly thing because I don't put out these podcasts weekly. I put out these podcasts when I damn well like it. But I think it's got a nice ring to it. So a couple of days ago, I played with a guy who kept at me with these rhetorical questions, right? Um, I wrote his name down because I think a bit of naming and shaming is in order. Uh, one of the one of the great reasons why people act like such assholes online is because there's, there's sort of no there's no repercussions. And look, by being named on this podcast, I don't envisage there's any repercussions for anybody. Let's be honest. But maybe, maybe at some point, one of his mates is going to hear this podcast and tell him about it, and he'll feel just the smallest amount of shame, perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe he'll just be angrier. We'll see. So this guy's name was I Bought the Game. That was his name, I Bought the Game. And uh, he was with three mates, Trevor, Michelle's Patisserie, and Game Over. So, wildly imaginative names there. One of them was called Game Over. One of them was called Michelle's Patisserie. And one of them was called Trevor. Um, I'm, I'm partial to Michelle's Patisserie, I have to say. They do a good uh, crock and And they also have some lousy coffee. But uh, Trevor takes the cake, doesn't it, for, uh, for an imaginative name. So, let's just talk about rhetorical questions. Because this is a specific form of toxicity that just... I just love it. It's almost one of my favourites. It probably is my favourite. Now, rhetorical questions, uh, in case you don't really know what that means, you might have heard the term and not exactly know what it means. Rhetorical question is a question asked without the expectation of an answer. It's usually done for literary effect, but in the ter- in, in, in the case of Counter-Strike, it's, it's usually purely to aggravate someone. So, for instance, I had this play where... It was me versus one of them and um, in a sort of a clutch situation. And the adrenaline got the better of me and I whiffed a few shots with the M4A4. And this guy, I bought the game, starts hammering me with rhetorical questions. AKA, how are you so shit? (laughs) How are you in this rank? How did you miss those shots? How did you play like that? How are you on this team? um answers that obviously uh, questions that obviously don't need an answer right because he knows the answers how are you so shit well that's that's unanswerable how are you in this rank well i played enough and obviously got ranked up by counter-strike by valve and uh you know how did you miss those shots because I missed them, because I clicked my mouse and was pointing in the wrong direction. Um, so uh, all this does is just add to my stress and adrenaline. And if you've pubbed, um, if you've, if you've uh, match made with randoms, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. This particular flavor of rhetorical questions makes things worse because they're unanswerable and they purely up the stress of every member in the team. So I told this guy I didn't really appreciate his input, that he was being quite rude. And he said, ha, 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 well, I'm part of a four-man and we're all friends, and I was lucky that they didn't kick me. So I was basically kicking, uh, playing Counter-Strike at their, uh, you know, only by the grace of this guy, I bought the game. Now, this guy's friends actually seemed quite nice, uh, but he reminded me of a high school bully who somehow had control over other less aggressive students for a reason unknown to me. And why people, who are seemingly a little more reasonable, let themselves be the silent henchmen for some asshole is just a mystery to me. It's a human mystery. If you have any ideas, write in and let me know, because Counter-Strike is the school of life here. That's what it's going to become. And look, I find it endlessly fascinating online, the way ugliness in people's personalities is drawn out, like meat that's kind of forced through a mincer. Some of the things that people say and write are just horrific in their racist or, I don't know, inflammatory manner. I can't can't count the amount of times I've played with someone called uh, Adolf Hitler or Hitler was right or die in ovens, Jews. I mean, absolutely insane stuff. Which I don't know if I'm being naive by assuming that there's just a teenager on the other end who's Purely doing this, purely doing this to get a rise out of someone uh, with a little more, I don't know, uh, with a little more maturity, I guess. um, And doesn't actually believe the kind of crap or the racist or the anti-Semitic things that they're posting. Maybe I'm naive. I don't know. I guess for, for me to remain sane... That's what I have to assume because if it's not the case, then there's a lot of uh, a lot of very damaged young men in Australia who maybe there's a disproportionate amount of them playing Counter Strike. I'm not sure. Uh, the impression it gives me overall, basically, is there's some people out there who, for playing, for whom, are playing CS:GO is is a blessed, enjoyable release and a really uh, relaxed pastime as it is for myself. But there are some for whom it is exacerbating their problems. And if me saying this has immediately made you go, oh shit, that's me. Yep, I become an angrier person when I'm playing Counter-Strike. Yeah, I get off and I'm twitchy and I'm nervous and I'm anxious and I snap at my girlfriend or I snap at my mum. Maybe, maybe this is making your issues worse. Maybe it's time for you to not come home and play Counter-Strike and instead read a book about what the fuck is going on in your life or in your brain why do you feel so bad why do you feel anxious why do you feel angry maybe just think about that for a bit rather than coming online and (laughs) ruining this game for the rest of us so uh, I guess this this is the only CSGO podcast that's going to be encouraging you to turn off CSGO Uh, but there it is there you have it that's the truth that's why this is the truth now, the next big LAN event is the Dreamhack Master Malmo 2017. That's August 30th till September the 3rd. I'm not sure whether I'll do an episode before then. I'm going to be quite busy in the next month. But I think maybe I'll plan this Biali special to drop. Drop like a bomb sometime in that period. Uh, hit me up if you have any feedback or suggestions for episodes. Or you have a Toxic Player of the Week. Or if you are I Bought the Game, drop me a line. Let's talk it out. I want to know what's wrong. What's wrong with you, mate? What's wrong with the young men of Australia? Uh, all right, so you can contact me at the Truth CSGO podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at thetruthcsgo. See you next time.